right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You know, got past that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. All right. Ready to start mailing it in. My last... Like senioritis? Oh, big time. Last full week on the job. I'll have two shows next week, but we don't have a show Monday. We're off work. You're gone Tuesday. Aren't you going to, like, the worst place on the planet this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to Portland, Oregon. Not North Korea. Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Where? There's, like, 116 degrees, I saw. I saw that Vancouver is in not just a heat warning, an extreme heat warning. They're canceling schools because it's so hot. Is that, like, global warming and stuff? I guess. You would never think the like, Pacific it's a, Northwest It's 114 degrees in Portland, Oregon right now. Excessive heat warning. Do you know where the heat's coming from? The sun? And stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it a dry heat or is it humidity? Mm. Because you're, it's always important to... <laughs> to point that out? Yeah, if you're in Phoenix. I went to Phoenix a couple times earlier this year, and they love telling you how it's dry heat. I'm like, oh, it's hot. Yeah, but it's dry Okay, got it. No, I was in San Diego Where are you a from? couple weeks oh, ago. Kansas. Yeah. Oh, I've heard Kansas gets muggy. Yeah. No, I was in San Diego a couple weeks ago. I have a cousin who lives ago. in Kansas. My grandpa was like, I saw my grandpa, he was like complaining. He was like, it is just so dry here. Mm. Yeah, apparently Vancouver is like 175 degrees today or something. What? 175? No, it's not really. I mean, I'm... okay. They're living in an oven. It's 104. Is this just how it's going to be from now on? Is it just going to get hotter every year? Is that like uh, is that global warming and stuff and climate change and stuff? Is that real or are we? is that a hoax? Have we taken an official stance? That's what we're going to start doing. I'm telling you that. <laughs> My last week on the job, we're taking official stances on all polarizing topics. We've been sitting the fence for too long. Trying to keep both sides happy. We know we have listeners on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. And you guys have long been wondering, where do you stand? You're going to find out this week. Na- name a polarizing topic you want to hear a stance on. I'll give it to you. Derek may not, because Derek's, you know, Derek's still going to be here. Is that an announcement? Have we made that announcement? You're not leaving. I'm not. I wish You're I had jo- the... Uh... Jordan Belfort. Yeah, I wish I had I'm that. I'm not going to leave it. Definitely can't say that. You might be able to say that since you are leaving. No, I still can't say the F word. Yeah. I was told that specifically. <laughs> I said, is there anything you guys want me to stay away from? And they said, please refrain from, continue to refrain from using the F word. I said, okay, but everything else is on the table. And they said, that's fine, including public nudity, which won't affect anybody except for Derek. But you can't file harassment against me if I decide to... 
pull any appendages out. Okay, that's that's straight up, and I'm I'm reporting from the bosses. That's coming from straight upstairs, man. So don't get mad at me about it. All right, here's something I'm willing to take a stance on. Okay, you wanted something. You wanted something explosive. Well, be careful what you ask for. Here you go. So last night, Sports Illustrated Ross Dellinger obtained copies of the proposed name, image, and likeness legislation or guidelines, I should call them, because they're not legislation, the guidelines that are being proposed by the NCAA. Like we kind of knew it was going to be one of two things. Either it's going to be sort of overarching, this is, this is exactly how it has to be for all schools, for all states, everybody follow the same guideline. Or the second option was going to be sort of rather uh, minimalist in scope and say, we're just going to allow the schools, the ones that are in states that don't have NIL laws, which are most of them, to make their own rules. The problem with that is it is going to create a lot of different rules. But that seems to be the one that they're following of just kind of letting everybody do their own thing. Now, will that create complications? Of course it will. But I'm so tired of hearing that specifically when it comes to decisions being made in college athletics. Oh, it's going to be so complicated. Oh, man, so... Man, it's just going to be so complicated. It's like that guy when you haven't seen him for a while and you say, how you been? And you don't even really care how he's been. You're just being nice. Oh, man, it's rough. Uh, where do I get started? Oh, I've been busy, man. No, that's the other guy. It's the I'm busy guy. Always busy. Hey, you want to go get some beers tonight? Watch the game. Oh, uh, sorry, man. I wish I could. I just okay. That's fine. What about uh, you want to you want to do something this weekend? Oh, I wish, but and it's always like not actually like that busy. It's like stuff that you know I gotta about, do laundry, and hey, that's gonna take four hours. How about I woke up early, guy? <laughs> oh man, one. I've been up since four o'clock. Wow, should we do a rank, a let's rank stuff of, of guys, just guys, of just guys? <laughs> I don't. We have so little time left. We may just have to do a let's rank stuff every day because I've got a lot left in the chamber, a lot of bullets that I'm not taking with me. So, um, I woke up early, guys. Probably the worst. <laughs> been up since four, man. Oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. I've just been working, been doing so much. I do. This is funny. I have a friend who was trying to be busy guy in our group chat. We had some golf tournament a couple of weeks ago and, and he couldn't make it and he was just kind of complaining about ah just been everything's just been so crazy. Been been busy and we were telling him man, maybe just maybe calm down a little bit because he was he's going out and partying a lot on top of being work. He's like I I got all these things going on. Well like why don't you just pull the reins back a little bit, man? These are your decisions. He said, Well you know what? I'm I'm having fun. And when you work when you work 45 hours a week like me, you get to have fun. Like, I, 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 that's right. I work hard, boys. I work 45 hours. And we kept going, wait a minute. Is he meaning to say something else? Because a 45-hour work week yeah. is rather standard. Yeah. Nobody's saying like, ah, oh, man, this guy never stops working. He's working nine hours a day. It goes in at eight, gets off at five. Where's the time for fun? Where's he get his leisure activity? So don't be the, I'm always busy, everything's always so complicated, my life is always so tough. Don't ever be any of those guys. Because here's the thing, that's never going on your tombstone. No one's, no <laughs> one's obituary ever reads, here lies Nick Schwert. He leaves behind a loving mother, father, and three and one sibling. He worked 40 hours a week. <laughs> that's on the tombstone. He was so busy, dot, dot, dot. He was a rather hard worker. 
NCAA is I'm so busy guy. The NCAA is, oh, I, we're just getting to this. We've been so busy. We're just getting to this NIL stuff a week before it actually is going to start going into law in some states. Well, you know what? We meant to do it, and we've been working so hard on it, but it's just so complicated because if we do this one thing, then it brings about all these other questions. Oh, when are we ever going to find the time to answer those questions? And just when you think we've got those answers, those, those questions answered, now there's all these other questions that we have to deal with. Here's where I'm at now. Here's your take, okay? You wanted something explosive. Here it is. Just no more rules. No more NIL legislation. Just let every school do whatever they want. And you're worried about this, become, this bringing about rampant cheating? Well, if every school gets to do whatever they want or each state gets to determine the laws of the schools in their state, then the, the schools and the states who don't have the legislation in place, i.e. someone like Kansas, they're going to be able to make their laws so much more lenient than the schools and the states who already have laws in place, therefore giving them a massive advantage in recruiting. That's what the NCAA wants to avoid, not creating recruiting advantages. Here's the problem. It's going to happen no matter what, no matter what. That's why they all want Congress to come down and issue a nationwide bill, say this is exactly how it's going to work. Congress, meanwhile, doesn't seem too incentivized to do that because, again, like asking for government intervention for something as big as this is not usually the way to go about it. And Congress at times, because they don't seem to really respect the NCAA, isn't very eager to say, okay, yeah, we're going to get right on it. Like they understand the implications as well, but it also feels like, hey, this kind of isn't our job. Can you take care of it? It's when two kids are fighting, like, mom, hey, so-and-so, so here's the deal. Um, he stole my thing, and then I stole his thing, and then he did this to me, and then he snuck into my room, and I told him to leave, and he didn't, and now he's annoying me, and, and now we're fighting, and now I broke my thing. It's like a mom is just like, just figure it out yourself. Just figure it out yourself. I'm tired of having to deal with every little thing that you asked me to do. That's what Congress is basically saying to the NCAA right now. Here's my proposal. Let every school and state do whatever the hell they want. Let rampant cheating take over college athletics. Why not? No matter what you do, no matter what you do, no matter what safeguards you put into place, the schools who have the advantages and have the money are still going to have the money and the advantages no matter what NIL laws are in place in their state or in the country. Nothing is going to change. There will always be haves and have-nots in college athletics. So putting together all of these different laws in all these different states, could that bring about more cheating? Absolutely. There's already cheating going on. There's been cheating going on for decades. And the bigger the school, the more money, the more cheating there is. That is never going to change. So if it brings about more questions, like let, let yourself figure that out in the future. But as for right now, to think that in the next three days or in the next week or in the next three months, we're going to get to the beginning of the fall school year and everything's going to be ready to go? Absurd. It's not going to happen. So let the states figure it out. And a year from now, when one state's crying sour milk because the other state has all these recruiting advantages, then change them. Then do something different. Because sitting around and acting like is going to be this perfect solution by the time the school year starts or by next year or by the year after that. Like, think about that too. We're sitting here wondering what it's going to look like on July 1st when states like Florida and Alabama are going to have these, these laws go into effect. 
What's it going to look like? They're, they're, they're working against the clock. You think it's going to be fixed by then? Dude, it's not going to be fixed by next July. It's not going to be fixed in the next two years. We're talking about massive, massive change at no, not only the state level, but potentially the nation level for, uh, for name, image, and likeness that are going to have sweeping, massive effects for how college athletics operate. And we're acting like it's going to happen in a week or a month or a year. It's not. We're not going to have any clarity on this situation for years from now. So there's a reason why they don't have a guy like me in charge. Because if I were standing up in front of the meeting, it'd be like the, it'd be like the Billy Madison speech, you know, where he's talking about the puppy who lost his way. And it seemed they put the dramatic music behind it, and they're like, wow, they, they really seem to be responding to this speech. He really seems to be resonating with the audience and with the judges. And by the time he gets done, the host says, what you have just said, sir, at no point resembled a logical answer. Everyone in the room is now dumber for having heard it. That's kind of how I feel. I feel like Billy Madison talking about the puppy who lost his way. But I don't see anybody else coming up with a better <laughs> idea, so let's just go with it. I just The silly thing that I don't get, like, one of the things in there, you can't offer a recruit. Like, I, I get the basis of why they're doing this. You can't offer a recruit, hey, we'll get you in this commercial if you come here. And I get, again, why they're trying not to do that, because they're afraid that some bigwig donor at some of the bigger schools will be able to offer more than the others. But the same way that we've kind of outlined, these guys aren't going to just say, hey, I'll give you $2 million to come do a commercial for my my car brand or whatever because it's just not good business. And after they do it one time, they're going to realize they're not getting their money back on it is the same reason why they're not going to do that there. And also, guess what? That is just creating a brand new avenue for all the stuff that you're dealing with now. Everything you're having to deal with when players have to go through this process of are they eligible because they took $200 from this, this, or that, you're just creating more paperwork by basically saying, no, we have to police that as well. Just let them, if you know, if a car dealer or a restaurant wants to tell this kid, hey, if you come here, I'll give you $5,000, that's part of the free market. You know, there would be nothing stopping, I don't know why this would happen, but there'd be nothing stopping some restaurant in some school saying, hey, if you come here for grad school, Derek, we'll give you $500 of free meals. There'd be nothing stopping that from happening. So I don't understand. They're just creating more laws that they're going to have to jump through more hurdles, that they're going to have to uh, go through more paperwork. There's going to be more litigation. There's going to be more cases now where there that is going to happen. More work to, and, and more work to do what exactly? Not, not We're not talking specifically about making sure you get NIL right. We're talking about more work to preserve the system. More work to preserve the NCAA and their relevancy. But the writing is on the wall, is it not? That as years go by, the NCAA is becoming more useless. They are becoming less relevant. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've come to the realization over the past year or two that it's like, wait a minute, the NCAA doesn't really do anything. They just organize championships. And when people illustrate that to you and they say, well, it's really not the NCAA who's doing all this. It's the schools and it's the athletic directors and the administrators. Well, okay. Well, then let's remove the NCAA from the equation. You don't think the Power Six conferences are capable of banding together and putting on their own championships? It would be a lot of work. But again, let's go back to, it. oh, it would just be so much work. What else do you got going on? Because you're already doing a lot of work to preserve this thing that we all know is not going to last forever. Oh, let's just get a few more years out of it, right? Five more years, 10 more years. Let's get these new TV deals. 
You can do it all on your own. I think everybody's afraid of being the first to the dance floor. It would, it would shake up college athletics in a seismic way. But like, what are we waiting for? It's going to happen. So just do it now. All right, it's 20 past the hour. We're going to talk some Royals baseball. It's a pretty sad time right now. Feels like maybe we've reached a breaking point with this ball club. Where exactly do they go from here? What's the next move? Is there going to be a big move coming? We'll talk to David Lesky about that when he joins us coming up here in about 20 minutes. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. You know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes. Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane. Unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them. Unlimited guest service. And most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. So about seven years ago, when I was producing Rock Chuck Sports Talk, we had an intern at the time who I tasked with getting us a Royals guest for that day. And I gave him you know, several names, none of whom I knew or had any contact info of. They were just people that I followed on Twitter. I would be like, these would be good guests. And my intern came back and was like, hey, got this, got a hold of this guy. I DM'd him on Twitter. Uh, he said he'd come on. That guy was David Lesky. That was seven years ago. And here we are. Almost every single Monday. We may have changed the days and the times a few times along those way, but for the next, I think, year while I was producing or a couple months while I was producing, and then in the six years since I've been the host of the show, David Lesky has been gracing these airwaves with his Royals analysis. And... Uh, hopefully, he'll continue to do that once I'm gone. I mean, if he's liked the show for the past six years, just wait until he gets a load of how great it's going to be once I finally leave. But uh, we're off next Monday, so this is our swan song, the final time that I'll be talking to David Lesky, Royals Review, inside the Crown Substack here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. This, is, uh, this could be an emotional 15 minutes or so here, David. I hope you're ready. I've I've already cried. Um, I might cry some more, but for now, for now, I'm holding it together. Um, you know, I, I've I've been on with you through gosh, what five websites now? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few. It's been a few, but um, it's it's just it is kind of wild, man. How it's I, we've never even met in person, by the way. That's that's another. I know, and we, we've talked about it so many times, and then just never done it. <laughs> yeah, that's you're probably one of the 
few, if maybe the only, of like the regular guests that we have on every single year who we have on a, on a weekly basis who I've never met. So for all I know, you're not even a real person, that you're just like a computer simulation. You are an AI that is built simply to uh, produce Royals' opinions, which if so... What, what, what a waste of a robot. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you were just a test subject, so they didn't want to give yeah, you anything no, it's okay. too important. <laughs> well, um, we've still got some, some Royals to talk about today, so uh, we won't... Uh, we won't veer too far off into the emotional uh, escapes of our relationship that has beautifully bloomed over the last six years. But it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird one today because after the way this weekend went and the conversations that we've been kind of progressively getting more and more uh, worried about this team over the past couple of weeks, it sort of feels like this is a team that's reached a breaking point. I don't know exactly what that means, but it just feels like something has to give with how poorly everything's been going lately. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think I think that they feel the same way, and, and that's why they made the move today. Uh, the DFA'd Kelvin Gutierrez and brought up Emmanuel Rivera, who um, isn't, I mean, you're not going to see him on any top prospect list, but he could, he could be a guy who could be solid. Um, I, I, think, I think it does a couple things less in the spotlight and more down on the farm because the DFA of Gutierrez, means that there's an open spot in Omaha in the, on the infield, which I don't know if you've heard. There's this guy, Bobby Witt Jr., um, <laughs> really really strong prospect. If you don't know about him, you should check him out. Um, I think that opens up, and it may not be today or tomorrow, uh, but I think that opens up a move to Omaha for him. Uh, Rivera up to the big leagues and Gutierrez DFA means there's only one corner infielder in Omaha, which opens up a spot for Nick Prado, which then opens up double-A for... Um, somebody <laughs> it could be Jason Guzman up up in 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 the middle infield. I, I don't know. There's just this really opens up a lot of of possibilities for minor league movement. Plus, it it puts some new blood on the Royals team, and then they move Solaire to the number two spot, which I think is kind of the last ditch effort for him. So I, I feel like we are reaching that point that it's like, hey, this is really not working. Um, Got to do something and. Some might argue it's too late, but you know they've uh, that that's that's where they are, and it, it just it really does feel like they've gotten to that point. That they're going okay. We got, we got to do something different, and and to their credit, today they've they've made a couple changes, which is notable because they don't make a lot of changes. This is a very steady team and organization as far as hanging on and and staying the course. One of those changes you probably referring to Jorge Soler. Uh, being moved up to second in the lineup tonight. What exactly do you think they're trying to accomplish with that move? Well, uh, a couple things. One, when they when they traded for Solaire back in 2016, I wrote an article that he should hit leadoff, and I still think I still think it would have worked. Um, he moved a little better back then, but um, he, he's a guy he doesn't actually chase as much as most people think. He his chase rate is 24.8 percent, which is below league average. It's good to be below league average in this rate. Um, and it's only worse than three Royals players. It's Nicky Lopez, Gerard Dyson, and Carlos Santana. And I think you'd agree all three of those are probably the most patient Royals hitters that they have, whether they're starters or not. So he doesn't, he doesn't chase a ton of pitches. Putting him in that number two spot probably going to get him more fastballs, probably going to get him more hittable fastballs. Um, you know, he's hit with wit on first base sometimes, and, and he's a threat to steal all the time. So there, there's a lot to like about that. Uh, you know, I, I, I personally think, I've said this for a little while, that Solaire's got until the All-Star break. 
And they looked at the calendar and they said, we got two weeks until the All-Star, right? So if, if, if we want to give this guy a real shot, we've got to try something different. And I, and I think that's, that's the idea. He'll see different pitches. He's going to take a different approach to the plate at the number two spot, or should be at least. And if he doesn't, then that's, that's on him. He's, he's sealed his fate that way. But um, I, I, like, I like the thought process behind it. I don't know if it'll work. It may not. It, it, it has in the past with Solaire. He's hit well in the number two spot in the past. So hopefully that's something that, that he can you know, hit the ground running with. And it doesn't hurt that they're playing in Fenway for the next four days because he, he seems to hit a lot of lazy fly balls to left. And in Fenway, some of those are going to get out. So maybe that can boost some confidence. I don't know. I think I, I just think this is a worthwhile effort, even if it doesn't work out for him. Where I mean, where are we at on the let's call it the meter, the patience meter with Jorge Soler? Because if it doesn't work out, like then what is this sort of a you have nothing to lose because nothing's been working so far? Might as well give it a shot. Yeah, pretty much. I, I would not be surprised if, if these next two weeks go poorly, and I think he's probably going to hit second for the most of the two weeks, unless, unless something terrible happens and he's somehow even worse. Um, I, I imagine that if it doesn't work out, he may not be with the team on that Friday after the All-Star game. I mean, I think that really? at some point they're just going to have to cut bait, and it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to keep running with what they're doing. Um He's, he's, look, when people want to say, well, cut Dozier too. Well, okay. He's, he's got team control. They gave him a contract extension. Even if they didn't, he would have two years of team control beyond this year. So that's not going to happen. But with Solari, he's a free agent. You know, what, what are you hoping to gain by running him out there four times a night to look hopeless, basically? And so I, I don't know. I, I think, I think this is, I don't know if it's his last chance necessarily, but if he doesn't show some, approach improvement even if the results aren't there but they see what they want to see, see what they like out of him um or they like what they see out of him i guess is a better way to put that even even if even if that's the case i think he'll keep they'll keep going with him but if he goes to this number two spot doesn't change anything which i think really him changing his approach is way what this is about more than anything um if he doesn't change anything then i i could see them saying all right well last uh what is it going to be? Seventy games of the season, whatever it is. Um, that you're, we're going to, we're going to release you, and some other team can give it a shot. And if you do well, great, good for you. We hope you do. Uh, because I, I just, I don't think it'll last very long. If that's, if that's how this is actually going, if that's the thought process behind that, it kind of feels like he's a dead man walking. Because yeah. it's, it's like you know, we see it with coaches all the time, where they'll say, "Oh, if they, if they don't win this game this week, uh, he'll probably be fired on Monday." If you've already gotten to the right. point where they got to win to keep their job, or if he has to do this to keep his job, then it sounds like he's already lost his job. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, like I said, this organization, they, they are very loyal. They give, they give people chances to a fault. And, and you can argue that, that that's what helped them win the World Series in 2015 by sticking with Mike Moustakis and sticking with, eh, almost, I was going to say Eric Hosmer, but he was fine. I mean, it was, he just never became a superstar like people thought. But, I mean, Lorenzo Cain wasn't very good in 2012. You know, he, 2013, he wasn't even that good. Like, a lot of these guys who were the big biggest parts of the championship rosters really have made an argument that they should move on from them, and they did. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I bash the loyalty sometimes, but also it's worked out for them in the past. And, and, and I think that I think you, you make a good point. It, it's one of those things. If you've already decided that they have to do this, this, and this to keep their job, then they shouldn't keep their job. 
Um, but that's just not the way they operate. And, and like I've said before, this Royals offense, if it's going to reach its ceiling, which it's not, but if it, if it was going to, it would because Jorge Soler reached his. It, I mean, they, they don't – everything they want to do offensively, they can't do any of that unless Jorge Soler is hitting home runs because they don't have a lot of power other than him. He, him, Santana, Perez, theoretically Dozier, those are the guys who are going to hit home runs. And if Dozier's not and Soler's not, and Santana really hasn't been great either, honestly, in the last month or so, you know, they're, they're just not going to get there. And so if they want to, if they want to try to reach their ceiling, then again, it, it, that involves Jorge Soler. So I, I understand why they're giving this one last shot. Talking to David Lesky here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. I want to get into the pitching a little bit. It's been atrocious. Seemingly nothing they've done has worked. And unlike last year where you brought up guys like Brady Singer and you bring up Chris Bubich with really encouraging results, Brad Keller with the season that he had, I know that wasn't sustainable, but I don't know if anybody quite expected the regression to this point. Like I said, nothing is working with this staff. What do you chalk that up to, David? Oh, You're right. Absolutely nothing is working. Um, I, I think... Some of it is bad luck. I mean, there's always going to be, whenever you're going good, you're always going to be having some good luck. Bad is some bad luck. But I, I mean, I don't want to beat this dead horse too hard, but I mean, they're, they're just not prepared. They don't, this, this does not seem like a staff that is prepared to face whatever they're facing that day. Um, we, I, I think back to that Indian series when at the start of the 11 game losing streak, and this is when it became really apparent is that, Samuel Reyes, yeah, he had a good, he had an okay series, but he and Jose Ramirez were not beating the Royals. It was Harold Ramirez, it was Josh Naylor, which, by the way, don't watch his video of him getting hurt. If anybody has not seen it, don't watch it. It's bad. Um, it, it's guys at the bottom of their order. The pitching staff wasn't prepared for them. <laughs> and they, they, they just weren't. And, and that's from that's from the coaching staff. That is that is from Cal Eldred on down. And I mean, I, I have I have not been a Cal Eldred fan. You know that for since almost day one, really. Um, and I, I don't I don't take. I mean, I kind of have some joy in the fact that I was right, um, but or at least people believe I was right. But I don't take joy in the fact that we've had to watch this for four years with with me feeling that way since the start. But it, it's um, it's very apparent that whatever this staff is doing this coaching staff is doing with this pitching staff, it's not working. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And, and, you know, they, they always, they talked about from the start that the, the most, the player that's most like Calder is Brad Keller. He's the guy that he can, he can reach, he can get to, you know, you don't hear that very much anymore. And I, I wonder if that's because Brad Keller stinks out loud right now. <laughs> so I, I it's, it's, it's very clear to me that even if, Look, even if Eldred's message works with another team, it does not work with this team. Whatever is being said, whatever is being taught, it's not working. They're not throwing strikes. When they do throw strikes, they're not quality strikes. It just everything about this this pitching staff is wrong right now. And I, I think it starts from the top because I think I've said this to you recently. They didn't have a ton of talent in 2018 and 2019. So if they don't, if they struggle, you can say, well, hey, wait till he gets some arms. But they've got talent. I mean, this team, you're looking at Brady Singer, first round pick, Chris Bubich, first round pick, Daniel Lynch and Jackson Coar were first round picks and struggled. Brad Keller has had three years of big league success and can't do anything. Mike Miner was 
ninth in the Cy Young vote two years ago. <laughs> this is this is not a team without talent. There's not a pitching staff without talent, and they're getting nothing out of it. And so I, I think you have to go to the top and and you know the whole cut the head of the fish off type thing. Do you see it happening? Is there any chance that it will happen this year? You've talked about loyalty. What's the chance that they actually pull the trigger? I, look, I, I at this point, I, I would be surprised if Calder is the pitching coach in 2022. Um, I, I guess after that Rangers series, I feel a little bit less confident that it won't happen. I, I, I don't think it'll happen in season. Um, but, boy, that yeah, – I mean, getting – Getting the doors blown off you by the Rangers, that is, that is not a good look. And they, look, it, that, that wasn't all on the pitching staff. I mean, it, they, they gave up eight runs on, on Saturday, but they could have given up one run and still lost because that offense wasn't doing anything. But uh, I don't know. I, that, that, made it, that made it at least a little more possible. I, like I said, I, I don't think he makes it to next year, but I do think he finishes this season. Um, I honestly – I would have no problem saying goodbye right now, but like I said, I would have said goodbye three years ago. So <laughs> I'm not the best person to ask on that, but I, I don't think he makes it to next year. He is David Lesky. You can check out his work at Royals Review. You can check out his work at Inside the Crown Substack. I'm telling, I've said this a million times now, and I'm tired of telling you. If you haven't done it already, you need to go do that. The best way to get your Royals content into your inbox every single morning. David... It's been a pleasure. I thank you so much. I mean this sincerely. You know, back when we had, I, I don't know, we were just getting started. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. You came on. You have been loyal to us, coming on every single week for the past five or six, seven years. I don't know how long it's been. Uh, it's been truly a blast. I know. I'm sure you'll, you'll keep coming on. I'm actually putting the pressure on you now. Now that I said it on air, it would make <laughs> you look like a huge jerk if you decided that you're not going to keep coming on. But as far as you and I, man... Uh, I'm, I'm sure we will be crossing paths soon, but I just wanted to say thank you once again for all the time you've given us, man. Yeah, it, it's been it's been awesome coming on with you for all these years, and I'm I'm really happy for you. I can't wait to to hear you in your next next spot, and uh, yeah, I'll definitely keep coming on. But uh, we need to catch a game or something soon. Absolutely, man. I'll hold you to that. Thanks again, David. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. All righty, that is David Lesky, Royals Review. Inside the Crown Substack. All right, he's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Scotty Pippen, for some reason, has had quite a lot to say recently. Why is that? We're going to try and answer that question coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. It's a Monday at 4 o'clock, so it's time to go over all the things that happened in the world of sports over the weekend and try to determine whether or not they're worth our time in a segment we like to call Do We Give a Bleep? It's quite simple. We go over a topic and tell you whether or not we give a bleep. What's first, Derek? First up, a random fan has essentially ruined for some their Tour de France race. I don't know if you saw this video. Um, They don't have, like, fences or anything separating the fans from the streets. And this one lady was holding up a sign on, like, a big, almost cardboard thing. Oh, that was a woman? Yeah, and it's stretched out. And she steps into the street, like, on the very edge of the street, and is looking at the camera showing her sign, not realizing that, hey... 
There's a big pack of bikers who just started this race who are all huddled together. They're not going to bike around you. One hits her, falls down, and because they're all huddled together, it is just like a domino effect. Yeah, it really is. It's down. like the, the aerial shot of that moment puts into perspective like just how many people got wiped out of that race. How is there, I mean, is this just one of the quirks of the Tour de France that there's no rope spectating riders from fans? Because it seems like anybody could do this. Like, I could just throw a stick out there like like Big Daddy and just watch people wipe out all day. Yeah, you could, if you, like, had a bet on somebody winning the race and they were in second place, like, what's stopping you from going out there and clotheslining the guy in first, I guess. But, I mean, they Lost are... Lawsuits? The Yeah, and that is the thing here. Tour de France official has said the organization will sue the unidentified uh, spectator. It was a woman holding a large sign that What said, did the sign say? It was in French. Yeah, it says... Uh, it's actually German. Okay. Ales Opi Omi, which is a German terms of endearment for grandparents. Hi, Grandpa. Love you, Grandpa. I, lo- I love this, uh, this from the... Pierre Yves Thuhalt, the tour's deputy director. I'm, I'm guessing this is translated over, which makes it sound funnier, but the quote says uh, in the Washington Post, we are suing this woman who behaved so badly. What a bad girl. <laughs> yeah. She was such a bad girl. And that just has to be a translation thing. That's it is, yeah. dude. It's such but it is such a European thing to say she has behaved she has not been behaving well. So we are going to sue her. Yeah, I'd be so pissed if I were those riders. Do you get to make it up? Like, does the race stop, or do the guys who didn't get wiped out, do they just get to keep going? Because you were all packed together there. I know that when you get into the mountains, that's where... This is this is literally the extent of my cycling knowledge. All I know about Lance Armstrong's run and his six yellow shirts or whatever their trophy is, all I know is that he separated himself in the mountains, also with the... the blood doping but but he did it in the mountains right when you when you're in the uphill stages so this is like the beginning of the race so i guess it probably isn't that big of a deal but it'd be hard to convince the guys who are on the deck that it's not a big deal you're fine you're totally fine this won't hurt you at all by the way that should be another let's rank stuff that we probably won't get to uh awards that are not trophies green jacket Mm -hmm. gold jacket yellow there's all like clothing they're all, they're all golf events, like yeah. the the Byron Nelson. No, Hall they get of Fame it. in the NFL, you get the gold jacket. Yeah. Plaque for what, Baseball Hall of Fame. Wimbledon, it's like a dinner plate. <laughs> it's like a Is serving. A it's or? like a serving dish. And you can put a shark. You can put charcuterie on there, mm-hmm. like cheese and crackers. I like that, but you're right. We'll never get to it. So what's the point? Okay. Uh, soccer is happening right now. Spain defeated Croatia in what some were calling the game of Euro 2020. Five to three, and then there's another one going on right now. This is the round of 16. France and Switzerland are playing. France was up 3-1, I believe, and now it's 3-3. They're in extra time. And France is one of the favorites. Yes, that is correct. They won the World Cup most recently. That was that. What have you done for me lately, though, besides blow a 3-1 lead? So if Switzerland not only wins this, but doing it by coming back from a 3-1 deficit, it would have to be one of the most remarkable wins. I would imagine so. Yes. I uh, don't know the numbers specifically, but yes, it's very hard to overcome a one-goal deficit, let alone a two-goal deficit, especially in the postseason when it's just like, which this basically is, it's, you know, the tournament round. You can just essentially, quote-unquote, park the bus, right? Just bring everybody back. We're going to sit back. We have a two-goal lead. Won't let them score goals, but apparently they still did. 
You know what's really weird about this tournament, though, that I'm surprised you haven't noticed yet? Let me repeat to you what it's called. The UEFA Euro 2020. It's not. There's not really a noun in there. There's not really a, <laughs> no, a cup. No, that's or, not it. It's not 2020. Nick, what year is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, it was supposed to happen last year, but because of COVID, they moved it to this year. Why did they just change the exactly. year? I don't understand. When's the next time they'll have this? 2020. I think it's every it's every two or four years. 22 or 24, one of the two. Okay, so like, I'm not I'm not even kidding. Tell me all the different soccer championships that I'm supposed to care about. <laughs> World Cup, uh-huh. the UEFA Euro. Yeah. Champions League. CONCACAF. CONCACAF. Huh? Premier uh, League. Premier League. Uh-huh. That's five. Anything okay. else? MLS. You don't have to care about MLS. Okay. Do you? I don't know. You tell me. What do you want to care about? Don't you think that's a bit... Do you want to care about La Liga? That's where Messi is. Okay. Don't you think this is a bit pretentious and a bit much? No (laughs) other sports league does this. The NBA is not like we have six championships. Well, I mean, sort of. Like, this is more like... No, no, not sort of. No, 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 sort of. Like, this would be like if you cared about international basketball. Like, if you started caring about the... uh, I think it's like the uh, ACB or something like that is where, like, the Spanish teams play. Or if you started caring about, like, the Turkish basketball leagues. But those don't matter. The best players aren't playing in the Turkish basketball leagues. Well, the best players aren't necessarily playing in, you know, for certain World Cup teams. Are the best players playing in this event? Most of them, but not all. Okay. Lionel Messi is from Argentina. He's not playing in it. No, this is for European teams. But most of the best teams are in Europe. Yeah, but again, Brazil, Argentina, like, you're missing out some. Okay, name another good one. Uh, a lot of the South, you know, Colombia is good. The South, the South American. The Southern teams. Oh, the Southern. South, South American. Okay. Yeah. Southern American. Proper terminology. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you <laughs> nailed it. Um, and also politically correct, I think. Yeah, this is this is great. I just like I said, I'm not even trying to be. I'm not even trying to be a jerk about it. Yeah, it feels it. like you are. Well, it's it. I'm a little annoyed. Okay. If if you're getting that sense, it's because I'm a little annoyed that soccer is like, again. I, I feel like even when I say the word soccer, it sounds condescending. And it's not meant to be. It's just that I just I remember Chelsea just won an event. They won the Champions League. Champions That's League. One of the ones you said you should And you're just like, oh, wow, the championship, and it's over. But, but they didn't it, win the Premier But then they were like, oh, but now, but th- this, though, now. Uh-huh. This is different. This is international. And then this will get over, and it'll be the Olympics. No, you but, forgot about the Olympics. The Olympics oh, yeah, is coming up too. in a couple uh, months. And they'll be like, no, 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 care about see, that boy, now. You're confusing. you're confusing international competition with club competition. I'm not confusing it. I'm saying that there's way more international competition going on in soccer than any other sport. Yeah, because it's not like football. You can't bash people's brains in, you know, and what do about international basketball? friendlies. They do ba- that. We're going to have international friendlies coming up. No, the, the Olympics games. is coming up. Yeah, but they have exhibition games before that. Yeah, but it's all... Dude, stop. <laughs> I Yeah, I give a bleep. I hope Switzerland wins. Okay. Uh, hey, we had our By first... the way, I bet. I actually bet on this event. Really? At the beginning... You know... You, you but you bet on Germany. You bet on Germany. Okay, they're still I, alive. I think I, I think. got I got it like fourteen to one. Is yeah. that right? I don't know. I don't really remember. You tell me. Uh, our first MLB pitcher has been ejected due to foreign substances. Hector Santiago, a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. The umpires came that out. That sounds like a made-up name, by the way. Hector Santiago, <laughs> like the villain in uh, like Sicario or some sort of. Mexican drug smuggling movie. He had substances on the inside of his glove, which he was told are not allowed. He claims that it was just rosin, 
but because he had it on the inside of his glove, that was not allowed. So mm. uh, we'll wait and see if he gets suspended. The MLB claimed that they could suspend players up to 10 games. I don't know if that'll happen with him. Do you give blame? He seemed to be pretty beside himself, like just confused, uh, incredulous that they were doing this to him, that they were going to eject him. As they removed the glove, like I said, these these substance checks are very confrontational. The way that the umpires descend and just surround him and say, okay, like they're, are they trying to block the camera from viewing what they're doing? Is that the intended purpose Maybe it's of like surrounding him like that? Put the glove over their mouth and they start talking. Well, it's it's like uh, it's like you know police officers trying to surround a a streaker. Like, okay, don't move, don't move. You're done. We got you now. And as they took the glove away, you know they inspect the glove and he's they're shaking his head like I can't believe this, dude. They put it in a trash bag, and the announcer on the broadcast says. Well, that glove uh, is now going to be hermetically sealed and uh, and taken away by the authenticator. Hermetically sealed. They put it in a trash bag and just like wrapped it up and said, "This will do." This seems this seems like it is such a thrown together plan at the last second by MLB. What do we do if we catch something? Uh, I don't know. Just find something to put it in. You put it in a trash bag, an old an old uh, tin of chewing gum if you find one of those big double bubble buckets just throw it in there if it fits anything like that will work and just send it to us and then we'll act like we're going to test it and they're going to test it what are they going to do put it in like one of those machines they have at tsa to see they if your water bottle is a bomb baseballs and materials since the start of the season claiming they were going to test them. we're testing them you're testing them. no you know what this is this is like remember when they came out with uh the quote-unquote chemical in the pool that if you peed in a pool, it would turn like purple or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they would tell that to kids yeah. to try and convince and them not to pee out, in so pools. They wouldn't pee in the pool because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not worth the risk. I don't want to embarrass myself. That's what this is. It's like, we're not going to actually do anything with it, but hey, if we threaten you about it, you're going to maybe be more cautious. Never worked, though. I no. never stopped peeing in pools because it's just, <laughs> you know, it's easy. It's right here. The pool's huge. Nobody will ever notice the difference. Well, they would have if there was... Purple dye everywhere. Would have. Correct. New Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka vows to push Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. Do you give a win? Wow. Um, imagine if he would have said, you know what, I'm comfortable with where they're at. I'll just uh, let them do their thing. This is the exact quote from the new head coach, who, by the way, is married to a really hot actress. Hmm. Every um, time I see... Like a headline, it'll just say his last name. It'll say Yudoka this. And I'm like, oh, did Yudoka Azabuki do something? I'm trying to think of what movies this woman has been in. Nia Long. I don't know. She's been in some movies. Maybe she was in, I think she was in Big Dad, Big Mama's House. It's <laughs> the last time you watched Big Mama's House. I don't think I ever have. Throw that on the wheel. How long Oh, yeah, that? we don't yeah. do that anymore. Damn. Sad. <laughs> Here's the quote They're going to allow me to coach them, push them. They know I'm going to be on their ass, and that's what they like about me. They've asked me about that. They want to be pushed. They want to be directed towards winning, and you expect that from your stars. Does we, that should have, have, we should have just pulled the part of the quote that said, they know I'm going to be on their ass, and that's what they like about me. They've asked me about that. Hey, sir, will you be on our ass, please? Does that imply that Brad Stevens was not pushing them? Mm-mm. I always love when coaches come out with quotes or a headline is born from something that should be a bare minimum of the person who just accepted that position. I'm going to try and get the best I'm going to my- coach them. I'm going to try and get the best out of my players. 
Okay. It's like somebody saying, hey, I just got a new job. I'm going to show up on time every day. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's kind of assumed you would. And the fact that you're telling us you're going to do that is a little troubling. It's, it's odd that you would even feel the need to state that publicly. Like, dude, remember when... Remember when Andrew Wiggins got that massive contract extension in Minnesota and the GM or the president, whatever, came out and said he promised us he would try to get better? <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. And I go, what? Before before we gave him the deal, we were like, hey, man, you need to vow that you're going to like become the best player you can be. And he's like, okay, I will. I promised like, he had his and fingers they go, crossed. They go, okay, well, here's $140 million then. Are you kidding me? Like again, like the fact that you would have to ask that. Hey, are you going to promise us you'll get better? Um, yeah. Where's these pinky promise? All right, you shook on it, so you can't you, you can't go back on that now, because you know once you shake on it, you know that's official. Everybody seems to speak very highly of this coach. It is funny that Brad Stevens is now this guy's boss. So it by effect coming in and saying they're going to be pushed now, now. Something my boss was too much of a coward to do is push his young players. Do you think it was just that Brad Stevens was a really good X's and O's coach but just didn't know how to like work with people? Sometimes that happens. I don't know if that's the case at all. But like sometimes the guys who are really good at the intricacies of the job maybe aren't the best at the human aspect side of it. I mean, I think there's something to the fact that Brad Stevens, obviously former college coach, you're working with 18 to 22-year-olds. And then when he first took the Celtics job, and for the longest time with the Celtics, it was all 19 to, like, 23-year-olds. So now you're starting to get to a point with that team where, like, oh, Jason Tatum's starting to get, you know, a little older. Marcus Smart's starting to get, like, 20, mid-20s and stuff, where maybe you have a harder time relating to the players. And maybe that's kind of where this birth is from. So now you've got the best of both worlds. There's no way that Brad Stevens isn't breathing down this guy's neck, right? Like, he's a X's and O's guy. And now he's player personnel guy. I have a feeling he's still going to be pretty heavily involved in day-to-day operations. All right, that is Do We Give a Bleep? He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. All right, so how's this work? We're not in extra time. We are in extra, extra time, overtime. Yeah, so they have two halves of extra time. It's 15 minutes for the first one. Then they take Gosh. a few minute break, then another uh, 15 minutes Excessive. after that. And if it's still tied, well, they, after Just they play. Just go to the shootout. Just go to the shootout. After they play the 15 minutes, each half of extra time, they've added time in Shoot, the extra Shootout, time shootout. Well. That'll be after you get to 120 minutes, and then they do added oh time, gosh. and then get they do it. the shootout. Speaking of, get all that? Speaking of get it over already. <laughs> <laughs> How about that golf tournament yesterday, the Travelers Championship? Eight playoff holes. Harris English winning it on the eighth and final hole with a birdie. They parred every single hole until the last one. He and a guy named Kramer Hickok. I was watching that, had money on it. And with Bubba Watson, who had won that tournament three times in the past decade with a one-stroke lead with like six to go, I was like, well, he'll end up winning it. And then he goes, what, six over on the last five holes? I wake up halfway through the playoff. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the hell is happening? It never it never works out that way for it to be eight straight holes like that. But let's, you know, let's avoid that in the future. Just watching these dudes have a par fast. It would be one thing if they were birdieing every hole. 
Like, overtime would be cool if they were just scoring every minute, but it's probably just going to be them doing this. It's really easy for me and probably very annoying for some people, but, like, soccer's the sport where it's easiest for me to talk very condescendingly without having to say a whole lot. You know, I was like, oh, they're just going to kind of run around and and kick it, and look at this guy's just, just not even moving, hardly. <laughs> like, seriously, you don't do this in any other sport. Seriously, he's standing. All right. I'm not doing play-by-play, and I think that's against uh, yeah, some sort of regulation. I I want to leave on my own terms, okay? That was sort of how this whole thing went down, was me leaving on my own terms and not getting canned. I'm not going to do it on my last week. So let's bring back an old favorite. We haven't really dusted this one off in a while. Well, hey, what's going on over there? Where we take a look at some things that are sort of going on over there, mm. which is what today, Derek? Scotty Pippen. He's been uh, kind of on some weird, like, media tour. Whenever somebody, whenever, like, a former athlete starts popping up on every show and every radio show and every podcast, generally it's because they're shilling something. And that appears to be a bourbon for Scotty Pippen. Digits. Um, Yeah, which is a weird name for a bourbon. Anyway, I, I guess it's like a five-year-old bourbon from Chicago. So, Like a five-year-old like he created five years ago, or it's like five years aged? Five years aged. Okay. But wouldn't he have to create it five years ago to age it five years, or was it just like already there, and they were like looking around like, we need somebody to sponsor this. And this, guy's, and this dude's like, I've got, I've got a, a bourbon I've been aging for five years, and I don't have a name for it yet. Scotty Pippen's like, digits, of course. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's been going on a media tour talking about this bourbon, I would presume. Um... There was some stuff that came out last week. Well, none week. of the stuff, Kevin by the Durant. way, none of the appearances that I've seen him do is he actually talking no. about the bourbon. It's just like in it's the video there. background. It's in the background or in the forefront. Well, I'm sure there's a thing at the end of the, each interview where it's just like, all right, tell us what you all got right, going so, on today. Uh, what can you tell us about digits? <laughs> uh, digits is uh, something I'm very passionate about. I read a GQ interview and. He, they basically asked him why he did digits, why he's making a bourbon, and he said, well, I drank a lot during the pandemic. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Quote, I was just an idea, sitting around during the pandemic, drinking, boozing more than normal. One of our business partners said that I should make my own bourbon. Imagine. And then days later, he said he had a great idea. He knew a guy. He said I should meet him and we should do a bourbon together. And that's how it all started. Dude, imagine being such an alcoholic that some dude's like, dude, you drink so bleeping much. Why don't you just make your own? No, see, I more view it as imagine being rich enough that you yeah, can well, just, a when, big part when of you it. like something, it's just like, why don't I do this? Like The Rock started his own tequila and it's like the number one tequila right. in the world. Like me and you, if we we're like, hey, let's start a tequila, nobody's buying it. No. But it's like, if you're that rich... You can do whatever you want. It's going to be successful. Just say like it's pure agave. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Instagram photos of like you visiting the distillery mm-hmm. in Mexico. I mean, like, wow. You're like holding up some of the they're doing corn the right, or whatever. They're doing it the right way. Corn? No, it's made from cactus, dude. Agave. Or it's like an, the agave plant. It's corn vodka. It's certainly not corn, okay? Uh, potatoes. Um. So, yeah. He's been doing the whole media tour and along the way has not really been holding back with his commentary. It first started with Kevin Durant and talking about Kevin Durant as a scorer, asking if he's a better scorer than him or that. It's just been weird, man. But I I think the genesis of, of where we're at now 
started with a GQ article from last week. A, a, a very revealing interview. Because not only is Scotty Pippen starting his own bourbon company, the bourbon company seems to be a precursor to, you guessed it, the book that he's coming out with. So if somebody's on a media tour, it's either for a book or for liquor. The bourbon is called Digits. The book is called Unguarded, which is coming out this year. And as Scotty Pippen told it, it's a story that needs to be told. Here's an excerpt from this interview in GQ. The interviewer asked Scotty Pippen, quote, A big part of the book, though, is you saying that without you, there's no bulls as we know it. No Last Dance documentary. No banners. And Mike's not the same Mike. For those who don't know, this feels like a very bold claim. But since you lived it, how do you see it? Scotty Pippen responded by saying, quote, I want people to read and write their own script. You've heard and seen the story of what our team was like, sort of parts of it, parts they wanted you to see. I think the book will definitely give you a different perspective of me and how I saw things and why I did things the way I did. My interpretation of that quote, Derek, is that this book is going to paint Scottie Pippen in a very flattering light. Yeah. What's your guess? That this book's going to come out and say, no, yeah, I was pretty much just a, a role guy and, and Michael Jordan made me. Or is it going to be like, wait a minute, no, Scottie Pippen was actually the real key that was turning the engine there. I kind of feel like this is a response from Scottie Pippen to the MJ 10-part docu-series where he's going to be like, <laughs> no, I was more important. I was pretty important too, though. Yeah. yeah. You guys forgot about me. Uh, in the interview, he says, talking about um, it felt like it was Michael versus the team. Was there animosity there? He said the media was going through a bit of a frenzy to some degree. They were cheerleaders. They were fans because they were going through something they'd never seen before. An iconic basketball star with global appeal. That was shocking to them. They were meeting media people who were flying from different countries just to meet Michael Jordan, just to see Michael Jordan. It was something for American media to feel like they had over the world, you know? They said, we got this Michael Jordan guy, or I'm friends with him, or he jokes with us. They were all looking at it as an opportunity to get close to Mike. I don't want to say they tricked the media, but they controlled them. So this is just a media. This is a media creation. Michael Jordan was not that good. He was not that popular. The media just made it seem like he was. So we're going to get into the Dan Patrick show because he went on the Dan Patrick show earlier today. And this was kind of the reason why we wanted to bring it up. But... In this article, in this interview, they talk about that moment that is referenced in The Last Dance, 1994 playoffs against the Knicks, 1.8 seconds left. He took himself out of the game, right? And they showed that. They showed that in The the Last Dance, and they were like, well, you quit on your team, man. How can you say you're this and that and you quit on your team? Here's the exact quote from Scottie Pippen in GQ. He says, quote, I don't think it's a mystery. You need to read between the lines. It was my first year playing without Michael Jordan. Why wouldn't I be taking the last shot? I've been through all the ups and downs, the battles with the Pistons, and now you're going to insult me and tell me to take it out of bounds? I thought it was a pretty low blow. I felt like it was an opportunity to give Tony Kukoc a rise. It was a racial move to give him a rise. After all I've been through with this organization, now you're going to tell me to take the ball out and throw it to Tony Kukoc? You're insulting me. That's how I felt. Reasonable follow-up question would be, you're talking about Phil Jackson. He said, yeah, go back and look at it and you can see it. It was my team. Why are you telling me to take the ball out on a game-tying shot? It wasn't even a game-winning shot. 
Why are you trying to let him be the hero? He ain't the leader of this team. No. You're trying to make him a hero to hit that shot. If he misses, he's playing with house money. He's playing what I done earned here, okay? I've been earning this for Michael Jordan for years, and he gets the last shot. Am I supposed to step inside and let Tony Kukoc get in there? Scoff. Do you understand English? Oh, okay, exactly. Remember that last line. Do you understand English? Because, again, the question was, what happened there at the end of that game? He said it was a racial thing. The follow-up question was, are you referring to Phil Jackson? Again, reasonable follow-up question. Is that who you're referring to, just for clarification? And he ends the answer by saying, do you understand English? Which is like such a, which is such a rude way. It's just like projecting whatever anger is festering inside of you onto the person you're talking to. Okay, so this was the interview from four days ago in GQ. Naturally, the Dan Patrick Show, one of, if not the biggest sports radio shows in the country, and Dan Patrick, one of the most respected, if not the most respected sports radio host in the country, and one of the best interviewers ever, has Scottie Pippen on the show. They talk about the GQ article. They talk about that moment at the end of the Knicks game in 1994. Here's how it played out. Help me understand the GQ article where you talked about the 1994 playoff game when you refused to go back in the game and Phil set up the play for Tony Kukoc. Well, I mean, it's not much to be said. If you go back and look at when Scottie Pippen entered the Bulls and when Tony Kukoc entered the Bulls and who deserved the last shot of the game. No, no, um, no. I understand that, Scotty. I'm just going by what you said. You said you need to read between the fine lines. And then you go on to say it was a racial move to give him, Tony Kukoc, a ride. So, well, I mean, if you knew that Scottie Pippen had been with the Bulls from 87, battled through the Pistons and every other team, that we had to get to those three championships. Wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last second shot without Michael Jordan? Like one year without Michael Jordan. Can I get one shot? Like I'm first of all, that's such revisionist history to be like, they didn't know Michael Jordan was coming back later. Right. Like this is your one year, Scotty. Sorry. Can I get one yeah. shot, please, after all these years? By the way, Scottie Pippen never a good shooter. So the idea that like, but come on, let me do it anyway. Please. Just let me take the shot. I'm doing all the dirty work. But all of that I understand from the basketball standpoint. But when you say a racial move. Well, why would why would Tony, who was a rookie, get the last second shot and you put me up a bounce? That's what I mean, racial. Like, that was okay, Scottie okay, Pippen's okay. team. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So he says, why would you put... Why would you give the last shot to the rookie and put Scottie Pippins out of bounds? That's why it's racial. Which, again, if there are racial motivations behind that, Scottie Pippen has not even encroached upon explaining what those racial motivations are. <laughs> like, you explain it as, he's a rookie, I'm Scottie Pippen. That's racist. But at what point are you going to mention, you know, the racism? Here, keep it going. But but Scottie Phil then, was but, but, on pace to be an MVP that year, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, why would you put him in a position not to be successful? Why wouldn't you put him in a position to succeed? Michael Jordan is not there. So who's next in line for you? But have you talked to Phil about this? Because by saying a racial move, then you're you're calling Phil a racist. I don't got a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> you, think, 
blunt. Uh, do you think Phil was or is? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, do you remember Phil Jackson left the Lakers, went, wrote a book on Kobe Bryant, and then came back and coached him? I mean, who would do that? Uh, I guess oh, the implication <laughs> is that only a racist would do that because here's the thing. Everything that he is trying to explain sounds like he's trying to explain that Phil Jackson was not a good guy or a bad coach or didn't maintain good relationships with his players. That's everything that's being implied. Yet, when Scottie Pippen is speaking explicitly about it, he's simply saying that, no, it's it's a racism thing. But again, like, well, Kobe Bryant, he, he was coaching Kobe Bryant wrote a book on him, and then came back to coach him. Who would do that? Only a racist would do that. <laughs> There's just There seems to be a gap somewhere here in the logic that I keep waiting for, for Scotty to get to. You name someone in professional sports that would do that. You know? I well, think he tried to expose Kobe in a way that he shouldn't have. You're the head coach, and you're the guy that sits in the locker room and tells the players... This is a circle, and everything stays within the circle because that's what team is about. But you as the head coach, open it up, and now you go out and you try to belittle, at that time, probably one of the greatest players in the game. Well, it feels like he's disloyal. I don't know if that makes him a racist. Okay, that's, okay, is it positive? okay. Well, that, 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 that's, that right there, that right there is what everybody in the world is thinking. Okay, you're saying he's not loyal, but like, it's not, there's no racism that's really been illustrated so far. Well, that's your way of putting it out. (laughs) I was in the locker room with him. I was in practices with him. Uh, You're looking for him afar. Yeah, and, and look, that's why I wanted to have you on. But I go back and Phil designed a play for Steve Kurt when Mike was there. And Mike Mike didn't have a problem with that, did he? I don't, I don't want to you're not you're, you're not setting me up to answer the right question. What do you mean Phil set up a play for Steve Kerr? He didn't set that play up for Steve Kerr. He set that play up for Michael Jordan. Okay, so I'm excited to hear this explanation of how there was not a predetermined play that was going to go to Steve Kerr. Right? Right. Okay. It's no way would this be predetermined. Okay, okay. 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 I thought in the huddle, Mike says, I'm going to throw you the ball. You'll be open at the felon. That, and Phil had nothing to do with that? And you don't want to get this show started because it'll take us a long time. Do you know all those cameras that's sitting in that huddle who they was working for? The NBA. So you know who Michael was speaking to when he said that, right? <laughs> that was that was planned. That Wait was a minute. Speaking- Wait. So it wasn't a play, but it was planned. So it was a play. So, but no, no, no. <laughs> it was a play with selfish motivations, okay. even though in nature it was unselfish. It was so, it was so predetermined to be unselfish that actually makes it selfish. I want people to think I'm unselfish. <laughs> therefore, 
I'm going to say this thing in front of all these cameras that will one day make it out to the public of me being unselfish. But Scottie Pippen, yeah. with his third eye, he's like, no, no, no. I know exactly what's going on Yeah, here. I mean, Michael Jordan in game whatever that was of the NBA Finals, he would definitely want to risk losing a Finals game. I could take this shot, but that. what about that documentary that's <laughs> going to come out in 30 years? I want people to think I, I let my teammates get involved. Well, speaking to the, to the camera, that wasn't speaking out of what we're going to have to do, what the play is going to be. That was speaking to the camera. Had John had uh, John Stockton not came down, trust me. <laughs> but that was building his own documentary because he knew he was controlling the cameras. You understand English? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you said again. <laughs> it's the same line. It's the same line from the GQ interview. But this one seems to be a little bit more tense than the GQ interview. I mean, there was only two questions in the GQ interview. Do you understand English? They did the same thing. Oh, okay. Like, so condescending. It's so condescending. Do you understand English? You understand English? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dude, asking Dan Patrick, of all people, do you understand English? You're never going to win that argument. Because regardless of whether or not you're in the camp of Scottie Pippen or Dan Patrick, it's Dan Patrick. He's not doing gotcha journalism, and he's not a guy who's going to set you up just for a controversial take that he can sort of regurgitate and make its way across the sports landscape. Like, it's Dan freaking Patrick. Do you understand English? And for him to have to say, yeah, yeah, you know, I do. I've got a pretty good history of understanding English. Unbelievable. Is that the, is that the end of the quote? Is that the end of the, the exchange? Let's hear the rest. Okay. So all those cameras that was working were working basically for Michael Jordan. Not for the Chicago Bulls. But they were building the Come Fly With Me, the Air Jordan videos. That's what it was. It that was not naturally spoken. Okay. Right. That was rehearsed. Okay. Okay. Well, still waiting you, for the explanation why Phil Jackson. So we racist. still don't really know why Phil Jackson's <laughs> racist, but I'm sure he's getting a lot of text messages today from his friends. Like, wait a minute, what did Scottie Pippen say? <laughs> he certainly didn't go out of his way to clarify his comments from the GQ interview. Um, I'm guessing Dan Patrick's happy he had him on. I don't know if Scottie Pippen's publicists are super thrilled with his performance in that interview. Uh, Maybe this is what he wants, though. Okay, but question. Are you more or less likely to buy digits now? Well, I, I didn't I, know I, about I, it beforehand. I do now, so I am more likely to buy it. No, I'm not, I'm not more likely to buy his bourbon than I am his book. But then again, if he's not willing to get into any details in these interviews, then why would I think? And he's not even saying, like, well, you have to read the book. Like That would have been a, at least somewhat decent tease to be like, you have to read the book to find out. But... I feel pretty confident there's no explicit allegations of racism in his book of Phil Jackson. I could be wrong though. So either there's no either there's none or he's the world's worst showman, which is kind of what I'm leaning towards. That Scotty Pippen, there's a reason why he's sort of lived in the shadows, because he's whatever this is, <laughs> he's not very good at it. Alright, that's what's going on over there. He's Derek Johns and I'm Nick Schwartz. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk.